Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. Each episode is a deep conversation with a carefully chosen peer about not just houses, but place. Yeah, of course we talk about houses and retrofits, but we also want to change the industry for the better, forever. Energy poverty, community engagement, industry disruption, societal responsibility, and climate change. It's all here and so much more. Welcome back. Your host, Shauna, here. Joining me from Edmonton is Dale Rote. We know each other from serving on the Net Zero Energy. We know each other from serving on the Net Zero Energy Renovation Working Group with the CHBA. And I'm so happy he's here. Dale's a pioneer in the industry and has over three decades of building experience. He's dedicated his life to pursuing methods to increase the performance of houses. And now he's a custom home builder with his own company, Effect Home Builders and he's won numerous environmental awards at the local, provincial, and national level. So welcome, Dale. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? Good, good. You're welcome. Uh, This is uh, super fun. Yeah, I know we haven't um, spent a lot of time together outside of the working group, um, but that was a very exciting and interesting round of meetings with a bunch of excellent people who are, like we were just, we were talking earlier uh, that we're just like dive on into those weeds and stay there until you figure them all out. It was a great, I mean, I, the working group was amazing. I really enjoyed being on that call, on those, those series of calls. And, and, and interesting because, uh, because we were across the whole country, um, you do get, um, uh, more of a broad based knowledge as to what other people's challenges are too, because mm-hmm. I mean, in Edmonton, of course, we're quite a, uh, you know, we're zone 7A, we're, we're very, uh, we're a, more of, I guess, an extreme climate. And so, you know, to hear uh, people from Southern Ontario, you know, we have different, different concerns, different, uh, different market, different, uh, mm-hmm. different. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just so interesting to find out what different other people's issues are. So. Yeah. And realize that we have, while we can have some national level training and some national level pr- programs, they all have to be regionally specific. That's the big thing for me. I guess sometimes I get frustrated because um, there's a whole bunch of stuff about, oh, well, you know, natural gas. Well, natural gas actually isn't a thing once you hit the Ontario-Quebec border, really. Yeah, and it's not a thing in northern Ontario either. It's like... And, and it's different, and, and, and the emphasis and the the importance of it is different across the, across the country and, mm-hmm. and how it's been implemented, too. I mean, uh, the natural gas network is quite... Um, you know, it, it's 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 very very much there and very much a part of the energy um, need uh, building the energy needs in in especially in Western Canada mm-hmm. uh, to supply so much of it. Um, but also, you know, interesting on how we're seeing such a an appetite with the natural gas companies for transition too. So that's mm-hmm. that's really encouraging actually to to move from methane to hydrogen and using that same network. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, I mean, mainly because that network's still not going to be here in Nova Scotia. So <laughs> they're like, true, oh, true, yeah, but oh it, that, whatever that might be. It's not on my it radar. But give, uh, It's important that people across the country realize that it's, you know, we just hear all of the 
the negativity about methane, you know, in, in the, in, in natural gas and, 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 and unfortunately it, it simplifies the, the discussion when you just say, oh, well, it's all fossil fuels are bad. Well, we're not there where we can be non-reliant on fossil fuels. I mean, all mm-hmm. these solar panels that we're putting onto buildings, um, if we don't have fossil fuels to, for the, in, for the industry, to they don't get them, produced. To create them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, you know, and and really, the time for talking about bridge uh, bridging fuels was probably about what I don't know, 30 years ago, when we were both like ducklings in our little pond here swimming around. <laughs> yeah, well, and and has how have things changed in that time mm-hmm. period, and and the awareness and the emphasis and the technology, um, you know. So I mean, simply yeah, solar panel for 30 years ago, but I mean, they were so expensive that nobody knew about them. Right. And now but they're I, on I was, every second house when you walk down the street. So Yeah, yeah. And I I was thinking more of, you know, the like using natural gas as a bridging fuel between between those things, right? So that where where you could use it and you could maybe generate electricity or or, or with with natural gas or or something other here in Nova Scotia. I, I, well, here I'll give you my rant. Um, So we had the Sable Island uh, gas fields, right? So that was what, uh, early 90s, early 90s. Um, So I had intervener status with one of the local not-for-profits, and we were talking about how the, the province wanted some information about how best to use natural gas for Nova Scotians. And the prevailing um, view was that we should put it in a pipeline and ship it off and make a lot of money off of it. And in reality, what would have been the best for Nova Scotia is to actually have it make landfall and generate electricity in the province for 40 years. Here we are, I don't know, what's 20 years or so since the, the since everything came online and we're basically out of gas. Because it's right. all, and it's been sold to the U.S. Oh, perfect. Most of it. Um, so we could have created, infra, used infrastructure that was already in place and had it come into Nova Scotia and, and basically take the place of, of a lot of, um, you know, a high carbon um, electrical grid. Right. And, 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 and I guess primarily you'd be, you, you're a lot of your electrical grid has coal generation. Is yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Well, and when this was when this was happening, so when when all these the, the uh, when the, all the the big issues were happening about what are we going to do with this gas, our grid was more than sixty percent. It was closing in on seventy percent uh, oil or coal fired. So it was very dirty, very like you know it was well over a kilogram per kilowatt produced. Right. And we could have used that to mitigate. The, the oil and gas, but or sorry, the 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 oil oil and coal, and I understand there's all sorts of complexities around industries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But really, where you know, it was pretty expedient for the utility to take it offshore for us, bring it onshore, right. and then take it out. Um, so we are now, you know, it's it's pretty much done. So that's that's the kind of thing, like you know, there's a couple of decades ago was the time to talk about bridge fuels and and you know, but here we are. We're still talking about them. So, 
I guess we got to do something pretty quick, given that IPPPPPP. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just so came much, out. And, and that's the thing, like like in Western Canada, it's it's so much easier because natural gas is so prevalent and so mm-hmm. easy. You know, and the infrastructure is already there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're already doing things with uh, Atco Gas, as an example, is, is being very aggressive on hydrogen. And, uh, and the industry in general is doing a lot of work with renewable natural gas, although renewable natural gas is very expensive to produce and plus not as abundant as one would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're basically stripping it off of landfill sites is really the primary um, source of it. But I mean, it's, it's a small component of the whole, of the whole grid. The, uh, the importance is actually to get hydrogen going. And, um, I mean, we, we can, we can store so much carbon in the ground in Alberta. Like it's just, there's, there's just, it's, 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 the, the storage capacity is immense. Like you, you, we can't produce as much fossil fuel as we can, as we can store in carbon emissions. So it's, <laughs> we're not worried about that, but the technology isn't here and it's so mm-hmm. expensive. So mm-hmm. how are we going to transition this and what's, and what's the best long-term solution here too? So. Right. But uh, but definitely, like Atco is already um, there. They're, I believe starting next year they'll be blending hydrogen into um, basically doing a test, uh, some testing on, on blending hydrogen into the natural gas stream. And there's a certain percentage. I believe it's around it's around between 15 and 18 percent somewhere in there where you can actually just insert hydrogen into the grid with no issues whatsoever on on gas burning appliances. So I mean oh, wow. that's displacing a lot of, of of methane out of the grid, and then um, you know basically it's 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 just part of that transition, and then you know how do we move forward from there? So, so yeah, and I don't want to open up a whole kettle of worms or can of worms or kettle of fish. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I don't really have a sense of how how hydrogen is produced to go into the grid, but I don't know if we want to dive that deep or if you know if you can give a a, a nice succinct way of well it's it's basically it's stripping the carbon off of the molecule and then hydrogen is is what's left over so the byproduct then becomes um basically water like and so Mm -hmm. um but but you but in order to get like hydrogen is a much simpler molecule um however much more volatile than methane Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, it's, it's, uh, like once you strip that carbon off, now you don't have the, the emissions issue. And if you can, you know, what they call blue hydrogen, which is, which is produced using natural gas or methane, mm-hmm. um, if we can, if we strip that carbon molecule off of hydrogen or off of the, off and, and left with hydrogen, the carbon just is, is then removed and stored. And it's, I mean, that's a simple, I know it's so simple and it's, it sounds so easy, but it's, you know, it's kind of like everything in the, in the energy transition. Everyone's got all these simple solutions, but no, yeah, isn't that a great idea? You know, it's yeah, like right. nuclear fusion. Oh, isn't that a great idea? Yeah. Well, we still haven't been able to come up with how it works yet. So it's, you know, great right. theory, but. Right. It's like, it's like there. a Sterling engine or something. It's like a professional motion machine. Like, well, exactly. those are all yeah. good ideas. How do they work? So this is a different technical side than what the first part of your career was. You were you were a you're a carpenter. 
Yeah, and and and, uh, and actually, I'm uh, I'm very much uh, um, I'm I'm a hands-on person. I need mm-hmm. that for for my mental space, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's I like to experiment. I like to you know be have things more tangible. Um, I'm not. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny because we served on that committee together. I'm not a committee person because I'm not. A process person. I'm mm-hmm. uh, solving a math problem, for instance. I like to see the question, and I'll figure out the answer. So here's the question. Here's the answer. Well, how did you get? How did you get there? Well, you, you, I, why do I have to explain that? It's it's all <laughs> it, it's all it, 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 um, mental. It's in your head, right? And right. It's, it's all that process. It's like, well, I can jump from here to there, but. We need those people in the middle in the in the committees and all those uh, to say to the you know to to everyone well here's the problem here's the process here's the answer uh, mm-hmm. to make it repeatable so it's um, yeah. you know my That's role my, my job now is more kind of you know the the edges and the process stuff is taken care of by you know by other people that are more willing and more capable so uh-huh. well and that's definitely where 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 I come in is that I, I can see, I can see processes, like I can see patterns and, and things like that. And for the most part, articulate them fairly well. Um, sometimes they get a bit kludgy because I also charge off into, you know, uh, real fast and miss like 10 steps. And then someone says, but I don't understand how you got from, you know, from, from three to 13. How did you get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that's oh, my right. that's my problem is that I just don't uh, I don't articulate that at all. It's like, well, of course I got from here to there. How how can you not see that? But you need <laughs> all those steps in between because, um, you know, that, everyone has to see it, right? Show yeah. your work in the math problem, right? So yeah, and yeah. if you make well, a mistake, that, well, this is where. <laughs> well, and that's and that's you know definitely being able to see that and 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 have avoid all those you know critical unintended consequences as we're putting houses together or doing the retrofits, that's the key piece is to actually have processes in place so that people can follow them. So we're not reinventing the wheel or, you know, or even reinventing things from whole cloth, right? We just don't want, we never want to go there with building science. No. Yeah. And that's, and that's where like for, for my strengths and what I, I like is I like that tangible aspect of things that's and it was especially kind of getting into the rentals because years ago, I mean, I was very much hands-on, and I I saw the black mold. I saw mm-hmm. what happens when when uh, when things leak. I saw I ripped apart bathrooms and saw what happens with moisture, and you realize moisture is such a killer. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I was uh, I was fortunate to train under someone that actually followed our two thousand principles. And oh, who is so that? we, we did have an emphasis on, on, on vapor barriers and kind of new, uh, it, it was, it was, I mean, this is 30 years ago, of course, mm-hmm. but I mean, we had some idea as to yeah. why we don't want moisture in there in, in the, in the wall assemblies and in the, in the static assemblies. And, and we saw what happens when you do it kind of half-heartedly, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or that when you you do it really well and you forget or you don't think about putting ventilation in, which is what the the, the Achilles heel of the R2000 program when it first started was, is that they had this great idea to stop air leakage 
improve energy efficiency and they did great jobs, but they, the initial R2000 program didn't have dedicated ventilation as part of the mix and quickly became an obvious thing. And it was actually Joe Stebrick, who, uh, from Building Science Corp, who was basically provided his parents and their house as a guinea pig. I was like, oh, we have a problem here. Um, and, you know, at the same time, people were actually like Skip Hayden and uh, a few other people, um, I think it was Skip, um, with Enercan were actually developing um, heat recovery ventilators. And and the, there was all sorts of crazy, you know, uh, stories about them trying this and trying that for as a as a filter and blowing things up and causing great fires in the, in the labs <laughs> and stuff. Um, and then coming up with what we now know as an industry standard HRV, which has, you know, the, the two filters or the, the, sorry, the two streams of, of air coming into the machine, crossing over but not contaminating each other. So you're pulling warmth out of one side and putting it into the fresh air, but you're not putting all that moisture laden air. It's interesting into how, that, how that developed too, because you got to give a, give a lot of kudos to the University of Saskatchewan and, and Saskatoon. Mm. Uh, yeah, Harold absolutely. Orr Harold so Orr. so much critical yep. to that and how yep. how they figured out, um, you know, because Van E, I believe, was first the yep. branding and yep. uh, and they and they had more or less a, a room uh, with, uh, they kind of figured out, you know, you know when those refrigeration where they have the, the plastic strips that hang down and on one side it's frozen and on the other side you're in the store. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's kind of, you know, simply put, that's how they started making it an HRV and to get those channels of air um, with the heat exchange without mixing the air molecules. And, yeah. it, and then how that quickly evolved into, you know, putting that technology literally into a box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it's basically cork glass, which is what every realtor sign is made out of, is kind of like that's always blows me away. It's like that's so cool. Who would ever thought of that? Well, and how simple, but how effective? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's really like like I love this the whole place that we're in now with all you know, sort of like we're on a cusp of a bunch of different changes and 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 move forward moves forward in the industry as we're stepping up in terms of of code requirements for energy efficiency, I think we have some really cool disruptive things that are going to come out of this next few years that are going to be really helpful for both new construction and for retrofits. Um, Because man, we need some, we need some, some other technologies. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, kind of where, you know, my headspace is a lot actually is to, um, uh, you know, for instance, we were, we were the first, um, we were the, we were the first, uh, cold climate air source heat pump that was used in, in residential in Edmonton. We put that in and thought, and, it, and honestly, it was like, well, wonder what would happen if you tried this in Edmonton? And we, you know, had the, had the, I guess the fortitude and the opportunity to try that. Mm-hmm. And then it worked. And ironically, so Peter Amarongan is, um, he was a visionary in the net zero space. And yeah, he absolutely. The first net zero uh, energy home in Edmonton, and um, but yet never didn't use the air source heat pump, and I think he was quite tentative because of the cold climate here. And 
and when we did it, and, and we're very much, very much um, aligned in our, in our, you know, moving things forward. We're not, we're friendly competitors. We're, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, and you know, and and so it's, you know, the, we've never had that kind of well, what are you doing kind of attitude. It's all yeah. about, you know, no, what are you doing, and you know, how do we solve this? So, anyways, he was quite, uh, he was quite keen. To see if it worked or not, and then when once it did, well, then all of a sudden he started to just awesome, and he started yeah. putting uh, air source heat pumps. He started to he he really uh, pushed the mini split, um, and um, you know, and and, and work tried to uh, you know expand that and have that as a solution for Edmonton because really we didn't know if it would work or not because it's you know we're cold here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it does I'm work. Kidding. Yep. Well, and I know when the first the first um, heat pumps came out here in Nova Scotia, we're like zone five and six, five ish, five six ish. So we're like kind of right, actually bang in the middle of both of those. Right. Um, and uh, the first ones that came out were basically glorified five thousand dollar fans for us for most of the year because right. there's no need for or there's, you know we might have a couple of weeks in the summer where we need air conditioning. Right. Definitely have many weeks in the winter that are below zero. And so we basically had a a shoulder season option, which was the heat pump when they first came out. And, um, and so they had a bit of a black eye here um, because they had been uh, a lot of, a lot of installs had happened, but with, the first generation of heat pumps, which just didn't go deep enough into the winter. Um, as soon as we got into the cold climate piece, then that's a whole different option for us, which is, you know, great. And we're actually the third, I guess, I think it's per capita, the third heaviest installers of heat pumps are here in, in Nova Scotia. In North yeah, America, what, what a transition! But how, but how the technology has really evolved in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, it used to be that um, you know there were very few manufacturers that would do it, and um, and, and of course the, the awareness was was not there. Unless I mean, BC had them for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's kind of where kind of where I you know thought, well, would not be why wouldn't we do that here? Uh, but then, then that cold climate came, and then Mitsubishi got into that space in big time, and yeah. offered a lower temperature. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, it became much more of a of an option for people, yeah. and uh, and for and for the Canadian for the Canadian climate. Yeah, yeah, and here where we have a lot of uh, a lot of folks like in Nova Scotia, about half of the existing houses are on oil. Right. And and so people are freaked out about environmental assessments and cleanups, do you, you know, and the insurance is freaked out about you you have what on your property? <laughs> An oil container that could leak? Yeah, we're not. Tank, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're not we're not doing that. Um we're not covering you. Um so there's actually some pushback now and people are are more likely to like new construction has typically got a heat pump in it. Um, and, and when people are doing retrofits now, they're looking more at heat pumps, but then we also have very few, um, forced air systems. We have an awful lot of 
oil-fired boiler systems. So oh, okay. air to water heat pump, mm, we need to have something that's going to step up the interior temperature. So we actually have something that will run to rads or, you know, because a lot of the older homes also have um, um, cast iron rads that run at really high temperatures. Right. 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 And so we have, we've got a, that heat with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can do a bit of a juggle and I am at top of my pay grade in terms of being a mechanical engineer right now. <laughs> um, but I have been talking to some folks who've been doing some deep dives into this and, you know, essentially they're saying if you can get that, the house down to net zero already. So something that's really, um, energy efficient, you can actually run your brads at a lower temperature. What's the biggest concern is the um, the return temperature coming to the machine back to the machine. Right. So that's you know encouraging, but it still doesn't help much if you're not boosting that envelope. As, well, as and, and you spread can. that heat around, and that's that's I mean that's how those work is that they're they're so dang hot that you know you get that you know the heat to cold mm-hmm. hot to cold transfer but when it's not hot now that air up there the, the heat pump has to run longer and now yeah. is that does that be is that efficient because that heat pump is churning through a lot of electricity and it's i mean yeah it's got a coefficient of performance and it's yeah it's 300 percent efficient and blah 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 but it's still a lot of electricity that's running through that and if you're yeah. not getting the temperature up and you have no way to distribute it it just kind of stays put and you know net zero house or not um you know if you got one radiator and you've got 1500 square feet to heat and that's and you're not getting the temperature there it will not, not going to happen corners. yeah 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 so we that's that's one of my challenges my regional challenges well, not just mine but one of the things that i spend a lot of time thinking about is how do we how do we take infrastructure in you know probably 80 percent of the buildings in the maritimes and make it work on a single family house. You know, that's, that's right now is an impossibility. There's a couple of people who are working on booster systems that actually will cascade um, heat um, through one air source to air to water heat, uh, heat pump, and then basically another one. So they're basically super, supercharging heated water, but they're very big. Therefore, Merbs and commercial buildings, they're not for houses. So this is a big challenge for us here in this region. Yeah, and that's like that, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit unfortunate. That's, that was the, that was the type of system that worked best in that, in that region. Um, you know, whereas in Alberta here with the, you know, the reliance on the natural gas grid, it's, it's, it's an easier transition. Now, Mm-hmm. Regardless of where we are to go all electric, we 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 seriously don't have the infrastructure to have every house by electricity. We do not have capacity um, in in the electrical grid for all that draw. Regardless of where we are in the country, mm-hmm. um, well, maybe outside of BC where there, but even then, like there's a ton of natural gas and and uh, you know how. How can we how can we transition? Because yeah, the easy solution that seems like oh let's just go all electric. Well, okay, good idea. But guess what? We don't get a lot of solar power in winter because it's cold because there's no sun. 
<laughs> and so where is this all this energy going to come from when you need it the most? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do we, like, you know, where is that infrastructure piece? And, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's a huge, it's a huge challenge. And, and, uh, you know, so much, uh, you know, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are in the country. That's, you know, you, you've got your, um, heating systems that need to be revised and, and so do we. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And building envelopes that need to be revised. We'll just leave it there. Right. <laughs> well, and that's, that's part of the issue. And, and, and because like your infrastructure and your housing, I mean, cause your province is older, <laughs> your housing stock is older mm-hmm. than we have on the prairies. Um, it's, you do have some, some serious challenges with, you know, with, with infrastructure that's that really is difficult to retrofit yeah yeah and you know when you're talking about houses that are 100 to 250 years old rubble basements you know never meant to be living space never meant to be anything other than just a hole that kept you out of you know (laughs) your, your building is sat on top of that's a that's a big challenge, especially when people are are trying to figure out how they can make the most of the built environment, and that might include, can we dig out this rubble basement and actually make it into living space? Which I've done a couple of times, which is a bit nerve wracking, but they have to be really, really nice, clean, dry, obviously dry, hundred plus year old foundations, and then you can do something about them. But other than that. It's basically just a hole that is wet. Yeah. And you live and you live above it and it's yucky. <laughs> it, well, and, and yeah, no, that's and that's not a solution because I mean, mm-hmm. as we mentioned earlier, moisture, no matter where it comes from, is an issue. Yeah. Um, and and it's so it's so amazing. I always find you know that wa- how water can be such a jerk. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and it, how powerful it, comes it in is. Where too, you right? don't expect it to, and where you think. Oh well, you know, you, you know, they, you put all this, you, you put all this effort into, you know, oh yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem, and then where you least expect it is where water comes in, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just rude. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's a really good characterization of of moisture. You're just rude. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, I like it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your awards because it sounds to me like you have a whole raft of them. I don't see them on your wall. I see lovely guitars, which you're going to talk about later. But um, I know that your most recent award was for the top choice home builder in Edmonton. So tell me about that. Well, that's um, we do put a lot of focus on the customer experience and as a custom builder um, we have that opportunity to 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 establish a relationship with the client and and you know part of that is to ensure that you know that that we give them kind of what they want um, and to try to make them you know try to make them happy in the end and that's that's, I mean, that's the biggest challenge in the custom home building is to, mm-hmm. you know, is that relationship and you, that there are expectations and it, you have to set out what the, you know, kind of prepare them. The expectations have to be prepared um, so that everyone's on the same page 
And that's, that's mm-hmm. such a, that's such a big component. And that's, that's how you, you know, you have happy clients because at first you don't set them up for failure and say, Oh yeah, well, we'll deliver the world. And then, you know, when there's a hiccup and you, and you are, you know, touting how great you are and that you never, you know, there will never be any issues. Um, now what happens when you don't? And that's, that's the, you know, that's where so many, especially, you know, I hate to say this, but kind of, you know, people that are in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they fail in the custom home market because, um, you can't just do something haphazardly and then run away because those, the process takes too long. You don't have the opportunity and guess what? You're, uh, you're on the hook yeah. and, and reputation is so, you know, it doesn't matter what city you're in. Guess what? In, in Canada, we're really just a, 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 an amalgamation of a bunch of different small towns and your reputation will, catch up to you it mm-hmm. doesn't take long and you're you know people know who we are good or bad yeah and that's and that's unfortunately we've uh you know we've kind of established that you know we do kind of have to go that extra mile and and you know and, and granted things don't always it's not that things are perfect it's a matter of how you deal with it when there is uh, when there is something that that doesn't go as everyone hoped Mm-hmm. Right. So that would be your, you know, customer success. That's yeah, you need, it, it you need is, somebody who's, who's the champion on your team for your, for your customer, really. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing is that you have to be client focused. You have to put them mm-hmm. first. You can't put, um, like I say, you know, when folks that think they're going into the housing industry to make a ton of money, that's the wrong emphasis. No, you've got to, I mean, if, I haven't found that secret yet, but I mean, those that are, that are, are successful in that are successful because they've been able to, um, you know, keep their clients on the up and up and, and keep yeah. them, keep them, keep them, you know, content. So, yeah. And I think there's, there's also, you know, as an industry, there's a, a perpetual black eye from, from people who, who don't take it serious. Oh, Take it seriously in a different way, right? They take it seriously that they're going to make some money from somewhere, but you know, we all have our own stories and we all have stories from other people about how they got ripped off by a contractor. And that's doing and something so, on their house. It's like, can we not do this anymore? This would be really helpful if we didn't actually just walk away from a job and go to the next one. Well, and there's so much, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of a problem with, um, you know, things being on, you know, I hate to say, I don't like to regulate things, you know, that's, but when it's, when things aren't, um, the, the problem is, is that, you know, you get a lot of black market stuff and people working for cash mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that kind of uh, arrangement. And so it becomes cheaper and then there's no way to track yeah. who did the work. Well, and so I, you got guys I have... that come in and they don't know what they're doing and they say, oh, well, I'll do it for X amount of money. Well, that's, that's, that's a thousand dollars cheaper than the next guy. Well, you know, well, of course I'm going to give this guy a shot. You know, that's what the customer is mm-hmm. thinking. Well, in the end, guess what? That thousand bucks just cost you 10. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, my analogy is always, you know, you cannot for money cut somebody's hair without going to school, having a license and doing constant professional development. You can't hold your license as a hairdresser or a stylist or a barber 
if you don't have all of those things. And yet, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you if somebody gives you a bad haircut or a bad perm or the wrong color? It's going to grow out. Probably right. take you a few months. But if you do that, if you don't have any regulation around how people build this beyond this, the, the building code, really, like, you know, the building code is basically means you're legal, just. But without any kind of licensing or um, regulation or certification of some sort that says, yes, I am qualified, like you would like you wouldn't want me working on your car. Even though my dad was a mechanic, my brother's a mechanic and stuff, like you really wouldn't want me working on your car because I'm not licensed to do it. And we're not talking about houses like they were, you know, a hundred years ago where you, you could do a good job of putting up a frame and then, you know, the rest of the house gets built and you're fine. Now we're, we're, we're into buildings that are not barns, buildings that are actually high performance machines. And we really need, I think, as we're moving up the scale towards net zero or down the scale towards net zero, that we need to have, we know what the unintended consequences are going to be. And it's all going to, you know, point back to our evil friend moisture. And if we can't figure out how to do those and how to keep that, uh, you know, moisture at bay and how do we do that? Well, we need to have some education and we need to have some training and people have to understand building science. Like, we have way too many people out there who don't know anything about building science. Well, and that's, and that's a challenge because, um, you know, as much as, you know, trades people are, there are so many good trades people mm-hmm. for every good one. There's 10 that are, that just don't care. And, and they're in, they want to get in and out as quick as done as quick as possible. And because the next guy comes and covers up their work, they don't, they, you know, the, the consequence doesn't show up until later. Right. And and they don't care. They're in and out. They got paid. Good, good, good. You know, and and that's that's one of the one of the things that really frustrates me about the about the housing industry. When I when I started, I started my company in um, in a rural area and uh, out in East Central Alberta. And the thing was is that I had to learn. Like everything was quite tangible, but I learned. The consequence of, you know, from framing to insulating to drywalling and painting, I, I did all those steps. And so you could see why it was important, you know, as you layered the house up and covered up the next, you know, and layered one layer over top of the next, why it was important that was behind there was done properly. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we don't necessarily have that in the trade industry because people are specialized. They don't understand maybe that, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to like inst- like window installations and and uh, insulation and, and vapor barriers, and they just oh well you know I'll, I'll throw up this plastic here you know and get get in and out and it's no big deal. And uh, oh yeah, there's a little cut there. Oh well, no big deal because it's going to get covered up anyway. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> the point is. Is that that cut in that piece of plastic just caused a huge issue? And yeah, it's going to be covered up, but you've got to repair it before it does, and that's your yeah. responsibility. But that's because it's unfortunately, you know, buildings are big. 
even houses. I mean, that's big. Yeah. You can't, and a little cut in a piece of plastic, you think, well, you know, how are you going to find that as a, as a supervisor, as an inspector or whatever? But it's important that the trade knows that you just can't let that go. But again, that's a huge challenge. Yeah. And, and, and for people to understand building science, I, I don't know how many times I've tried to come up with the illustration that it's like a balloon. A house is like a balloon. And you know what? When you fill the balloon and you tie the knot and it holds air, then that's what we're looking for here. So it's the same as when you're putting on that plastic vapor barrier. It's got to be like the balloon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got yeah. to hold air. You can't have leaks because guess what? Then you won't. Ha- you, you don't have that. You don't have a balloon. And, yeah. and you know, try yeah. to come up with simple illustrations. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it's like, well, no, it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It definitely does matter. Uh, <laughs> so I have a note here that says that you were quoted in a CBC article earlier this year um, in regards to people who are requiring about net zero homes, that they're aware of climate change and they have an ideological reason for building a net zero home. It's not because of cost savings on utilities. That's that's the unfortunate part about net zero. And in and really, if there is any challenge on the net zero front or the, the high performance, I don't, I, I don't even say net zero, high performance buildings, mm-hmm. the awareness of the benefits and, and, the, and, and, and it's, 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 it's a general problem with, uh, you know, with, with people's attitudes, I think, too, is that understanding value, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of like buying sh- a pair of shoes and you go to, Go to Walmart and buy a ten dollar pair of shoes. Like, oh well, yeah, well, you know, I've got, I've got shoes. Well, they, yeah, they, they protect my feet. And you know, meanwhile, mm-hmm. you have it's not the they last for a season. But, but you know what? They work. And then, oh, they wore out. Well, I'll just buy another one. And and, they, and that's perceived in, in its in its but in that mentality, the value is because I saved a bunch of a bunch of money. But in reality, right. if I paid two hundred dollars for a pair of shoes, guess what? My comfort level is so much higher. And these things lasted for five years, and in the end, it cost me less. And in, in the in the fringe benefit is that all of the comfort and all of the intangibles and have have that I benefited from in the meantime. That's value, but yeah. unfortunately, the dollar and bigger is better seems to rule the housing industry, and it's 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 not necessarily always the home builder's fault. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a mm-hmm. general. I hate to say brand but it's kind of that walmart attitude kind of well i think that that's definitely you know people uh, in my experience it's definitely you know how many how many square feet can i get for this much money and you know and 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 again bigger bigger is a better thing which which is really just a perception but we but you and i know that people don't make decisions about their houses on any kind of rational basis a house is a very emotional thing for people. Their home is, you know, the decisions that they make around their home have very little to do with a rational, logical, financially sound decision. Yeah, and it becomes so much about, like you're right, about the emotion and and how, you know, the eye candy is what seems to be the mm -hmm. important thing because that's what I could show. And I've, I've, I've always said from, for the last 30 years, the most important part of the house is the stuff that you can't see. Yeah. 
And but it's and, definitely uh, not sexy. You know, like what's no, sexy about icky old fiberglass? <laughs> but you know what? I don't replace my wall assembly every day. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I if those countertops are are need to be replaced in five years, you know what? That's a lot easier than replacing your wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have this interesting thing when I when people ask me about the payback on on any of the energy conservation measures that I suggest for them. Um, I ask them about the finishes that they want to have in their house, and then say, well, what's the payback on that granite countertop, for example? Or, you know, I use this this statement a few weeks ago on the podcast too. What's the what's the benefit of to you of a jacuzzi tub what's the payback on that because there actually isn't one if you have um if you don't have any need for hydrotherapy right unless you unless you actually have that kind of a a requirement for your health there's no payback because it's going to chew it's going to chew up energy every time you use it so it's uh you know it's it's i try and and illuminate or, or shine a light on, you know, why why are you making these decisions? Sometimes it goes over like a lead balloon, but other times it's it's more of a, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And, you know, you have to justify a lot of different kinds of, of decision-making processes. And But, you know, hopefully we can help people move through that as we as we get deeper into the uh, the the high performance codes. Well, and and you know what, you're not gonna you're not gonna win that argument as often as you'd like to. But when you do, and you're producing something better, there is a reward for that. You know, mm-hmm. and and whether you're whether it's you know you're doing it from an ideological perspective or a customer experience perspective, anytime that you win that you get that you, you win that argument or you win that discussion, guess what? It's it's for the betterment on on a lot of fronts. So it's you know it's 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 worth the effort, <laughs> but it is an effort, and you know that and even from an economic perspective, you know the we we have people left and right that that come oh you know oh I really like your house I really like that on the website what's that cost and, and you you know you you go down and someone will build it for cheaper they'll build that same thing for cheaper but guess what how many problems are they going to have mm-hmm. and what's what's you know what why did it cost what it did well it's that's sometimes irrelevant to those people they're worried about no i want it bigger i want it cheaper and here's somebody that'll give it to me and they don't appreciate the value that you know that's there so and you'll never win those arguments i mean there are people like that and i'm not gonna you know rant about you know well you know that they're you know i'll keep my personal feelings in appreciate value but there's a certain spectrum of society and and that's 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 what makes us Society of diverse. You need everybody. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's change topic and tell me about all the guitars and musical instruments about, uh, behind you. Well, I used to be those are a obviously lot more involved in the music world, yeah. and unfortunately, the last couple of years, actually, I've kind of lost my mojo on that a bit. It's been uh, as you like, can is see, that like beyond beyond uh, COVID. You can see this on on. I Shana, but yes, of course, listeners can't. But I mean, uh, these, these are all custom. You know, that's all custom guitar. Uh, There's one, two. You know, well, there are there are two, two, two that were made actually five blocks from here. <laughs> nice. Um, the 
and so and and actually they're very nice, very well playing, uh, you know, excellent instruments. Uh, my first guitar was uh, was a, a Gibson Melody Maker, which was a kind of a cheap Gibson at the time. But holy smokes, it just plays so beautifully. Nice. It just it holds a tone. It never throughout. I mean, the Prairie Provinces humidity is goes up and down like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, that thing holds a tune. And I, you nice. know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, 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 it's not the, it's not the sexiest of guitars and, and they, it was a cheap, you know, kind of a starter, but I tell you what, it, whatever formula Gibson made in those days with their, with their mahogany that they used, I mean, awesome. Awesome. Cool. So it's, uh, music is, is, I still appreciate it. I just don't have the kids, you know, life. Oh, oh, uh, it's yeah. Kind of way. Kids' and, life, and, COVID. You know, here I am, and you know, almost fifty. You know, and you kind of—I think your age kind of. There's a certain point in your life where things go up and down, and mm-hmm. unfortunately for me, right now, music is in the in the low point. But I tell you, for years and years and years, I would like every night when I was single. Every night, I'd play I'd play music for an hour, mm-hmm. and that was it. Was a bit of a a decompression and a, and, a, and a way of, of release too. So yeah, yeah, of course. So what kind of music do you like to play? I I tell you what, I, I am honest. I, I to be honest, there's a I have a lot of uh, diversity in in my musical tastes. I I really like um, uh, so much of the stuff from not new country, but a lot of the bluegrass and some of that, uh, mm-hmm. like some old country music. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big '80s rock band. You know what? I love Bon Jovi. You know what? I really do. I I love Bruce Springsteen. I love Tom Cochran. Is Tom Cochran and Brian Adams are my rocks. Like that. Uh, if you're gonna say yeah. who's the, who's the best artist, artist wise, I still go default. Tom Cochran is who's the best. Who's the best rock anthem singer of all time? Brian Adams, hands down. And it's not just because they're Canadian; it's because they're awesome. Colin James, a oh, phenomenal, I love James. phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. musician. And I tell you what, the other uh, icon for me is Brad Paisley, and he will play. He will play Van Halen. He will play Chet Atkins. He will play anything with absolute perfection. And the diversity and what he can do is just holy smokes! Did you just do that? You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm, I, I still, you know, if I need something to, if I'm, if I'm torqued off and I need to release, out comes Van Halen or out comes, out comes <laughs> Molly Coo or something and it just gets me revved up, you know? I, that's okay. No, that's cool. I had, um, so my, I had a whole three or four months earlier this year where I had, massive, massive, massive deadlines. And I had a huge report to write. And I was completely overwhelmed. And the only thing that worked for me while I was in that crazy, like insane writing mode was I listened to Led Zeppelin (laughs) the the whole time, like cranked to 11. And, uh, and I just had this giant playlist on repeat and I would it was like a, it was, I don't know it's like I think it's like 13 or 14 hours I don't even know if they have that much music but um 
Yeah, I just listened to it on repeat. And it was nice because it was com- it was it was comforting because I know all the music. Right. Because I'm a little bit older than you. Um and uh and that was like the first album I ever was got was my nana purchased Led Zeppelin four for me because she went down to A and B sound and said, yeah. you know, my 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 granddaughter wants a record. What should I get her? <laughs> so they gave her that one. Well, um, but that was like, yeah, that kind of music, like that driving focused, um, there's something about it that really helps, uh, helps me focus and stay focused and, and, and release tension at the same time. So there you and, go. And, and everyone's got their fix, you know, and, uh, and I, it, 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 for me, you know, music can touch you in so many different mm-hmm. ways and, and the appreciation is, uh, like for me, it's like I, I do appreciate such a diverse um, uh, array of, 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 of music, and some I like, and some I don't. I'm not I'm not big on dissonant jazz. I I I, I like to hear harmony. Uh, that's what part of the bluegrass. Um, I'm I'm a you know people are you know are you Elvis or the Beatles? I'm Elvis. Sorry, okay. I like that. I like I like the 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 harmonious aspects of music I don't like dissonance mm-hmm. um, but that's part of that is just because it's 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 music is is ma- is mathematical it really is yeah. and it's and some people find um, you know some people's math you know it's 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 quantum physics <laughs> and some people's math is algebra you know and it's yeah. same thing same thing with music it's it's a it very much is mathematical but it's also you know some of it is well, I mean, it is. There's aptitude there too, you know, and, and and some people hear it, and some people don't. So that's fine. You know what? Whatever touches you, whatever makes you happy. You know, if if your thing is, is is uh, going to the zoo and watching monkeys, well, good. <laughs> whatever it takes, right? Need a release. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Dale. I really appreciate it. That's it for our episode today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was produced by Blue House Energy, Podcast Atlantic, and Tanya Media. Subscribe and don't miss an episode. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.